I love that you were talking about kind of the the riskiness of it or people talking about it and really how it's not as comparable to stocks as people think it is that stocks are essentially a little bit more riskier than real estate because like you said you know appreciation and people need places to live so when people always ask me like what's worst case scenario with the properties I'm like we just live through it Ooh, I gotta go I've been working told them please don't hit my phone I'm in my zone bro just leave me alone was on the road but I swear I'm coming home now the drinks on me I think we need a toast see I did it for me now my old friends calling told them nothing's for free told me time is money dog swear I paid all my fees I was starving for this game now my fan they can't eat Hey everyone, before we start the show, a quick word from our sponsor, the American Nurse Association. The ANA is a place we go for all of our nursing education. And today, the ANA is offering 25% off all site items. Save on all online courses, books, workshops, and more. Use code HOLIDAYSALE21 at checkout for a discount. But wait, there's more. The ANA is also offering a next level leadership workshop for all current nurse managers and a new nursing manager workshop for all oncoming nurse managers. Make sure you guys click the link in the description to find out more. Hey everyone, welcome to another Cup of Nurses episode with your hosts, Peter and Matt here. Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening to us. We really do appreciate it. All the time we look at the comments and engaging with the community, it gives us motivation and awesome feedback. And this is why in the past few episodes and all the episodes, we've been buffing it up, higher quality and the guests and everything. So thank you everyone. And if you guys find value in this podcast, please smash the five-star button, give us a like, share, comment. That's of course what boosts us on algorithms, the follows, the subs, and that's what motivates us to keep on producing high quality content. For any announcements or anything related to us, cupofnurses.com. And then also we are frontlinewarriors.com for anything mindfulness conscious related. And of course, the vlogs are out. We're still um, having the vlogs out from the Pacific Northwest. So tune in how our journey was on a two-week RV trip. It was sick. And of course, we're in the Facebook groups. We're engaging. We're going to be creating some extra videos for you guys there, whoever's in that community. So don't miss out. And then, of course, we're teasing Pronto, which is our travel nursing app that's coming out that's going to revolutionize and innovate healthcare employment for all of healthcare professionals. So don't forget to get in on the wait list on that, which you can get on at prontohealth.com. How you doing, Pete? I'm doing great. Another wonderful guest for this episode, we have Savannah Arroyo. Savannah Arroyo is a real estate investor. We talk about travel nursing and nursing finances, a little bit of 401ks, investing, and a big portion of that is real estate investing. So make sure you guys tune in. We'll see you in a little bit. Thank you for being here, Savannah. Can you give us a little bit about yourself, what you currently do and what you're currently working on or your nursing experience in the past? Yeah, definitely. So I uh, went to school up in Northern California, up in Sacramento, really at a young age. I knew I wanted to go into nursing. I was super passionate about it. So went uh, right into that school to pursue my bachelor's. And out of that, I worked in a couple different specialties, um, was naturally taking on some leadership roles, process improvement initiatives. I was taking on extra projects and ended up going back to school. And I got my master's degree in nursing leadership and administration and then worked in some admin roles. More recently, I was the assistant nurse manager for cath lab specials, GI, um, non-invasive cardiology. 
and then um, started investing in real estate the beginning of 2020 and allowed it to kind of offset some of my income from nursing. So I actually recently in the last month transitioned down to a per diem position. So now I'm working per diem at a hospital here in LA um, in the pre-op department. Yeah, awesome. So how is pre-op? Because uh, we're not familiar. We usually do bedside our whole entire life. So how is like that aspect of nursing? Oh, I love it. I I was doing bedside my whole career too. I started in med surge, oncology, did tele. And then when I moved into administration, I was still kind of overseeing some bedside departments. But this, I, I knew when I went into per diem, I wanted to go into like the cleanest area of the hospital. Uh, so moved into pre-op and I love it. I mean, a lot of it is kind of just checks and balances and making sure patients are ready for surgery. Um, it's not a lot of tasky type stuff that you do in other specialties within nursing, um, but still, still really great. I like it. I'm working with a good crew over there. Yeah. Awesome. How was like the shift from bedside to like an administrative role? And did you like oversee your coworkers? So no. So when I moved into my first administration role, I, I switched jobs. So I was working um, med surge at a, a med surge tele. And then I ended up actually going into ambulatory care, which was a really different specialty within nursing. They were just now, I was working with it under a director of nursing who was getting really innovative about nursing. And she wanted to bring in nurses to ambulatory care settings. She believed that nurses need to be overseeing all clinical aspects there. So like in a doctor's office, right? So I ended up moving into, and I was overseeing an orthopedic practice here in Los Angeles. We had four offices in the Valley, uh, 11 surgeons, a PA, and I was, oh, I was going in there as the first nurse ever and going and overseeing clinical operations, helping the doctors with their day-to-day. -day. And I was overseeing uh, medical assistants and x-ray techs doing that. Um, so that was a huge, huge culture shift as a nurse. And then after that, I moved back into inpatient acute care. What's more stressful for you? Was it the bedside of care or more of the administrative position? Admin, 100%, for sure. Yes, you were dealing with everyone's problems. So from the beginning, when I started my day, I'd wake up to multiple texts, people calling in sick, not going to be showing up. So then I'm navigating the schedule and coverage first thing in the morning before I even make it into work. And then I had doctors coming into my office all day, staff coming into my office all day with problems. You know, people are say things are broken on certain units, this machine's down, we have a patient that wasn't scheduled right, this case is going um, late, uh, this surgeon wants to add on three cases, like it was just problem solving all day. And I loved it. Like I, I thrive in that kind of area. And if you're working with a great team, it makes it super fun and enjoyable. But it was a lot more stressful than bedside care for sure. Yeah, 100%. Did you have struggles being as the first nurse in that department overseeing all that dealing with all the doctors? and um, oh, we yes, deal we deal with hard. that gap, educational gap mm -hmm. sometimes where they have that God's complex, right, as we say. They did not want me there. They were used to running things the way that they were running it. They were recently acquired by a huge organization down here, Providence. And so they were going out and buying all these um, kind of specialties and ambulatory practices. And so this, this practice, this orthopedic practice was bought out by Providence. And so I was coming in and I was an outsider. They did not like me coming in there. And then, and I was, I was going in there with tasks of, you know, making things were making sure that things were clinically acceptable on best practice and that sort of thing. So I was going in there, changing things up. And then we were switching to a huge e EMR system epic. And there was a lot of changes that were to be made. And so I, it was, it was, 
was a very difficult transition in building that trust with the team and letting them know that I was coming into that role as a part of their team, not as an outsider. So it honestly did take almost a year, maybe even longer to build that trust and relationship with the doctors and the staff. Yeah, 100%. Like it takes a long time to build that relationship. Even when like you have a staff position and you have like a new nursing coworker, it takes some time to develop trust and a communication. So my question uh, for you, Savannah, is going from bedside to administrative position, what are some like tips or advice you give somebody uh, that's maybe thinking about doing administrative or some like mistakes you've made along the way or some of the struggles that, that you've been with? Yeah, definitely. I think the people who really thrive in administrative roles are really good natural leaders. So problem solvers, being able to problem solve at a high level um, with a lot of different information involved. Like, so I know one of the biggest struggles I had as a new leader, as a nurse in healthcare was people were coming to me with problems and seeing it one-sided. So I had physicians coming to me and saying, hey, this schedule needs to be changed. I need to have the first um, block because of this, that, and the other. And I would immediately think, okay, the doctor's coming to me wanting this block. I made the change. Not thinking, okay, so then scheduling was calling me, getting upset. The staff nurses were like, you can't do this because this, that, and the other. And so you realize going into leadership roles that people are bringing you problems all day and, and, and they'll naturally want you to solve it with their solution. But as a leader, you need to see it from a high level view of taking a bunch of different considerations, you know, like the flow of overall how things are functioning. So it takes a lot of process involvement at that level, which is a big transition from bedside nursing. Yeah, 100%. Jeez, that's a good yeah. perspective, right? Especially with like us, because there's three of us that work in on the same company for the most part. And like when we find problems, we always introduce our solutions, but we always think that our personal solutions are, are the best solutions. So it's definitely like, like a learning naturally. process naturally, right? Where you where you want to, where you see the problem and you think the way you the way you think to fix it is the best way. But it's not always that. So it's a big collaborative effort yes. compared to like, you know, um, nursing wise where you're doing bedside and so when blood pressure is low, you know, if you put them on a presser, it's going to naturally bring it up where it's like a, like a basically a one path solution. That's why we got so much protocols and stuff in the hospital compared to administrative where it's more of like, this is the problem. Let's figure out how to way, way to fix it because there's more than one, one way to fix it. I wonder if that's the struggle that nurses have from bedside going into management because they're an individual problem solver of just that patient. And now you're problem solving. If you just problem solve the doctor's issue, all the other people are going to be upset. So you have to take that as a you know, whole, just like you said. Yeah. So how did you transition from doing management to kind of thinking about real estate of, uh, you mentioned 2020, right? Yeah, so I was just, I was on maternity leave at the beginning of 2020 and with my second daughter and I was just, counting down the days until I had to go back to work. And I hand, had to hand over a three month old baby to, you know, daycare, my daycare lady so that I could go back to work because I'm dependent on that paycheck. And that was just a huge shock of like, oh man, this is the last break. Cause I'm not going to have any more kids last break. I'm going to have until retirement. Right. I mean, if I, if I work every day, 40 hours a week, grind it out, that was kind of like impending. It felt super discouraging. And so I was like, there's got to be other ways that I could start generating income. I got to start investing. I got to start making my money work for me so that I'm not dependent on a paycheck by the amount of hours I serve at the hospital. So I started researching, investing different ways that you could grow wealth. I stumbled upon real estate uh, for obvious reasons. It's one of the best strategies out there to start building wealth and um, started educating myself as much as I could. Podcasts, books, YouTube videos, started networking with people. Um, my husband and I started buying single family homes and then switched into multifamily syndications. And that's currently what we're doing right now. 
So what's uh what's the difference between a single family home and a multi family uh, syndicate? So a single family home is going out and buying an investment property like a home, and then you're having a renter get in place, and they're de- they're essentially paying down your mortgage, covering all the expenses, and you should be pocketing if done right. You should be pocketing a couple hundred dollars every month. So that's kind of a slow way to snowball your wealth in real estate. Just get a couple extra uh, rental pop- properties to get cash back in your pocket every month. And then they're at the same time, they're paying down the loan. So now you have all this built in equity, the properties are appreciating. So there's a lot of ways that you can build wealth going down that route. We did that. And then we wanted to scale. And when we after we did, we bought those two first investment properties, then I started talking about it at work and what I was doing. And people were wanting to invest with us. I had nurses coming to me wanting to learn more about it. Um, And so we started doing syndications, which are people pooling together their resources to go out and buy buildings that they couldn't buy on their own. So now we're buying apartment complexes with other people. So we're pooling together our resources. Um, My husband and I are going out there and running it. And essentially we're going out and buying an apartment complex that needs to be flipped over a three to five year period. We have investors investing with us passively. They're not doing any work. They're just handing over money and we send them checks every three months. And essentially if they're investing say $50,000 over the three to five years, they're getting their $50,000 back and doubling it in that time. So we aim for 100% return on investment over that period. So it's a huge strategy for people wanting to invest in real estate very passively. And so when I started bringing that to work and, and what I was doing with family and friends, I realized there was a huge gap. A lot of healthcare professionals really wanted to invest in real estate with this strategy. And so then that motivated me to launch my brand, The Net Worth Nurse. And I started creating all this educational material and resources to help educate people on these type of strategies that are out there to help build wealth so that nurses don't have to feel like a slave to their job forever. Right. I, I like how you mentioned that because that's one amazing thing about nursing we always stress that where you can work those three days and on those four days you could go find a side hustle or get empowered to do different things because you don't want to rely on just one source of income just like you mentioned when a nurse is starting off do you do you think she should start off with a single home or move into the syndication just like you mentioned which is more of a collaborative way of investing in real estate yeah so it really depends the two biggest factors are how much time you want to commit to it and then how much money you have. So those are really the biggest factors in what strategy you want to do. Um, so with the single family homes, so a lot of the people that are investing with me and the syndications, they don't want to be doing any work. They, they're they not about it. They want to, I have a lot of travelers right now who are making really good money and they want to start growing it and having it start working for them, but they don't have the time or energy to be searching out investment properties, getting a tenant in place, hiring a property manager company, doing any repairs or maintenance that needs to be done on the property, getting a loan and doing all the financing. Those are all things that you'll have to do if you go out and buy an investment property, which aren't hard things. If you own your primary residence, it's pretty much the same process and getting financing. The only extra piece would be getting a tenant in place. So, um, but we personally have property management companies that do all of that for us. So we just oversee the property management companies and they're doing the day to day for these properties. So really, if you have, if I have a nurse who's calling me and trying to figure out how to invest, I ask them, you know, how much time are you willing to commit? Are you willing to spend, you know, a few hours time commitment to overseeing this investment? Or do you want to hand over your money 
and just receive checks every three months. Cause that's what I do for my investors. And then I do uh, quarterly updates and show them the financials. And, and so they still get to, if they're interested in real estate, they still get to learn a lot about it and get to be as involved in it as they want to be. Um, but it's a lot more passive for them. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah Cause I know travel nurses, they, they make really good money, but the thing is they don't really always know what to do with it because as a travel nurse, if you're not with a company long-term and you're not devoted to it, you don't have like a 401k. You don't have that offered to you because you're always switching companies and you're always looking for the, the highest paying contract. So a lot of times nurses need to find like an alternative to where to put their money. A lot of times they just put in a savings account, which as you know, doesn't really have much, much like value or, or growth in the long-term or they do stocks. Like currently Matt and I, we do like a lot of, a lot of stocks for our like leftover money, you could say, which has been, been working great. And I, I tried to dabble with real estate oh, when I was back in Chicago, uh, before we took on this contract, I was trying to get my real estate degree, but I just had a, it was during a pandemic. I just didn't have enough, enough time for it just because of, of everything that we're doing. Because I realized that besides like stocks and like your savings account and like your 401k, like there's other ways to invest. I really wanted to enter real estate, but I wanted to do on more of like an active level, not so much passively. I wanted to just uh, get my real estate degree and, you know, buy like a two flat or three flat or even like a single family home and then, you know, um, maybe flip it or have somebody move in and rent it out. And um, like trying to get that real estate license, it, it takes a lot of effort. So do you recommend people getting some kind of education uh, before they start doing this? Or do you prefer to do a more passive route? Because I could probably guarantee you that a lot of travelers would rather take a passive route in, 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 in like investing. Yeah, definitely. So I, you definitely, you don't have to have your real estate license to invest in real estate. I don't. So um, it does kind of help because you get a little bit more knowledgeable about it, but real estate is really a second language. And I tell nurses this all the time who get super intimidated about, I don't even know anything about real estate. And it's like, well, yeah, but you didn't even know anything about like normal lab values and EKG rhythm and how to interpret it. But like you learned, you know, nursing is a second language, healthcare and medicine. And so real estate's really the same thing. You can learn about it. It and it's easy concepts to grasp once you start educating yourself. So I realized, yeah, I had I had nurses coming to me on both sides, nurses that wanted to invest passively and nurses that wanted to invest actively. So passively, perfect fit. They can invest in my syndications. It ended up out working out great. And then I realized, oh, there are nurses and healthcare professionals that want to be more active in this. And so then that's when I started. I actually built a real estate course and a personal finance course that um, is actually going to be coming out in a couple weeks where I go through all different strategies. I I talk about the Burr method, about flipping, about short-term rentals and Airbnbs, about investing in land, about single family homes. And I walk nurses and healthcare professionals about all the different strategies, how to analyze all these different deals, how to get financing for all these type of deals, um, what kind of the next steps are of like building your real estate team, uh, which is essential when you're trying to run these projects on your own. So I realize that there are a lot of people who want to be more hands-on. And I mean, I get it because I'm not same same way. And I realized that nurses are excellent entrepreneurs and business owners. Like they're, they're really good at, at have, attaining the skills to really carry out real estate transactions. And so um, I did create a course that kind of walks you through all the steps of it. And it is that education piece is the biggest hurdle for nurses to jump over to start investing in real estate. Yeah, I think it's, <clears throat> I feel like, well, on a personal level, and I think majority of nurses as well, we don't need like the full education to do things. We just need, we just need something. Uh, when I first started investing in like stocks and like cryptocurrencies and all that kind of stuff, I didn't just, you know, throw money in it and I learned along the way. I, 
I sat down and I did some research, looked at some like, you know, financial reports for different companies, like their revenues, their quarterly earnings or different, like, you know, just different inf informations and, and stuff like the cost of operation and all that stuff. And once I learned a little bit, then I felt, felt I want to say confident, but I felt like I knew something. Then I threw some money in it, money in it, it kind of worked out and I kind of learned from that. I think nurses just want like a basic education so they kind of know, like they just know generally on, on what they're doing. And I feel like that, um, is going to be more beneficial for them, like in a, in a long term, instead of just like uh, just doing it just just passively on a personal level. Because I feel like nurses, yeah. especially with with the job that we that we have, we like a little bit of control and we like to have a predictable environment, like with our patients. So I feel like just a so, so little bit of education, like the course that you provide, was probably perfect for for people to start investing in real estate. Yeah. I have a single family home that I'm currently renting out, like my property back in Chicago. So I could definitely see how it could become a, like a struggle eventually because you're dealing with so much, the communication, setting things up, and you'll get the silliest questions sometimes, you know, like, you know, why isn't the water uh, getting hot right away? And then you have to explain that it's a, you know, it's a three bedroom, you're on the third floor and the pipes get cold sometimes in winter. So it takes a little bit of time for the water to heat up and you're dealing with a lot of communication. So I can see if you're investing in two, three single home properties, it could start becoming like a headache or you might need a, like property management. Yeah. So, do you manage a property too, or do you have a property managing uh, company that that works on your uh, investments? Yeah. So, we use a third party property management company. So, we do extensive interviews and seek them out and look at reviews and referrals, and then um, have our specific business strategy. So, for these syndication deals, they're pretty heavy flips. There's a lot of value add that we're doing of like replacing roofs and turning some units and increasing rents. That's how we're able to generate so much income. Is we're doing a lot of work on these. So it's super important that a property management team understands your business strategy for the buildings that they're going to be managing. Um, that's really the biggest piece. And then the communication. And then once they're on board, then they do help relieve a lot of that headache that does come with dealing with tenants and the questions and all that sort of stuff. And um, I think what really makes it appealing to nurses is that the traditional 401k method and retirement or even sitting your money in a savings account. Like if you sit a hundred thousand dollars in a savings account, which I have had this conversation with many nurses is like, you're losing money on that because of inflation and you're not earning any interest on a savings account. It's like a half percent. And then the way inflation's going, you're actually losing money by having a big chunk of money sitting in a savings account. So I just try and educate on like, okay, in a stock market historically has performed about like 9% small index funds since its existence. The real estate deals we're doing are earning 15 to 25%, you know, essentially, essentially double or triple what you could be earning in the stock market by even passively investing in these real estate deals. So exactly like you said, the education piece is just really important in having nurses understand like what the best strategy is for them moving forward. So I don't know what multifamily syndication means till today. But last year, when I was travel nursing in uh, the, you know, the same hospital that we worked at in the past, uh, there was somebody there in the ICU that mentioned that uh, she's investing with somebody from like South Carolina to trying to close on a property. Mm -hmm. So now I understand that, hey, there's multiple investors and they give you a couple million dollars and then you could buy a property. Mm -hmm. So with multifamily, is that a six flat or is that not the definition of multifamily? Like getting a is six a, unit. Is it a what? So a six flat is basically investing into like a, um, like a six unit apartment. Is that considered multifamily? Um, so it is multifamily because it's more than one unit, uh, but commercial starts at 12 units and above. So oh. that's still considered multifamily if you have a six unit on your own. Mm -hmm. And then you just invest in California or do you go just all over the US? 
Um, so we have single family homes over in Atlanta, Georgia, and then our apartment complexes are all up actually in Oregon. Um, I live in Los Angeles, California, so the price point to entry is just a little bit higher. And the strategies here in LA are a lot different than other places in the country. So there's a lot of research that goes into deciding on a market and analyze and picking a property. There's hours and hours of research that goes into that. So um, we like Oregon for the tax breaks, the appreciation that it's seen. Um, there's a lot of different things that uh, make the investments really good up there. Yeah, I was in like a very heavy real estate investing uh, phase, even though I didn't move move forward with it, but I did a lot of research. And like a lot of times I would compare the economics of the housing market and I compare it to the economics of the, of the, um, like the stock market. And what I like came to realize, um, and it's, probably gonna sound super simple, is that people are always going to need somewhere to live. So yeah. you could almost throw like a dart at, at the map of the United States or a map of the city, and you could hit a place that's going to increase in value over time. So what I've noticed that as long as, you know, you don't pick like a very impoverished uh, community that doesn't have a lot of potential, like for example, you wouldn't really want to invest in, in Detroit right now, right? Like like I say, that's that's been broken down due to the the whole infrastructure and industry of, of, of the of car manufacturing, right? But you would want to invest somewhere more like in the suburbs. So what I came to realize is that over the years, the housing market always, you know, it goes up and, and it goes down. So my parents, I left my parents. So my parents bought a, a condominium uh, back in, I think, 2006 or 2008 when the housing market was at, at like, a, like a new peak back in the day. And, you know, after they bought it, the housing market crashed and the property value went down drastically. You know, but then they held on to the property, they didn't sell over time, and now it's you know above their the above the value what, what they paid for. So that kind of goes to show you where it's very safe to invest, except people think it's really scary because the news talks about the housing market is gonna crash, it's gonna go down. But people don't realize that people are always going to need somewhere to live and our population is always increasing. So even though you might buy a property at a at a peak, but as long as you bought it at like a decent location, yeah, you might lose money if, if you sell, you know, five years after you bought it. But if you keep, keep holding on to it, it always goes back up. And that's like the same way that stocks work as well. But I feel like stocks are a little bit more, more risky compared to real estate, because in real estate, you actually have some intangible. You actually have some kind of a, an item, you could say, a property where, where you know, if it doesn't get hit by a hurricane or a tornado, it's, it's always going to be there compared to the the economics of like stocks where if a company goes under a company goes under and you're screwed you're not gonna get to get that money back 10 years down, down the road because guess what the company does not exist anymore yeah. but it has a lower cost of entry so that's why people invest in stocks before they invest in property because you only need to need like a hundred dollars to invest in stocks but real estate you might need a little bit more than that but people don't realize that that you don't have to be a super fucking genius to 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 invest in these kind of things. You just need some kind of education, some kind of a, some kind of a help, like your courses, like the education you provide, like passively or actively. And that's how you really need to get started. Like, don't get fooled by like, oh, you hear on the news, a oh, housing market is gonna 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 crash, it's gonna go down. Guess what? It's always gonna go down because people move. Same way like people move money in stocks, people move in in real life. So it probably might be might go down in value after you buy it. But guess what? If you just hold on to it for a little bit of time, it might go back up. And you shouldn't be in investing in money, money with money that, that you need on a daily basis in, in the first place. So if you buy a property for let's say you know hundred eighty thousand dollars and you you know throw all your money into it, it's not the proper way to invest because if that property goes down, guess what? How are you gonna eat? How are you gonna put food on the table? It's, it's investing is not not using like your active money. It's more of using the money that you have left over and saved up. Exactly. And I feel like nurses have to have to do this because especially travel nurses, they don't really have a lot of options. 
but they have a good amount of money where they could spread it apart. They could do stocks, they could do real estate, they could do other other things. And I feel like it's not getting talked about very often because travel agencies, agencies don't really talk to you about it because they don't really care about what you're doing with your money passively or, or investment-wise. They don't care. They just want to pay you and have you be on your way. That's just how it is. Same with the hospital, same with managing the hospital. Your manager pays you the check. They don't care what you what you're doing uh, with your with your money. They just want you to show up. That's how, that's how it is. That's the healthcare system. Our job is to come and work with patients, and that's all they they really care that we do. If you if you're at the age of forty and you're and you're broke, age of fifty and you're broke, they don't really care. They still want you there. Coming for, for those three twelves, yep. bro. Coming for three twelves. Well, guess what? You're broke. <laughs> well, actually, we're glad that you're broke because now you can pick up that fourth shift, that fifth shift. So they don't really care, <laughs> right? So they're not gonna teach you that. That's not not gonna teach you that. That's something you have to do. Because they're paying you that money, but no one's gonna tell you how to how to spend that money, right? Yeah. Or, or where where to put it. That's the crazy thing about it. And it's very lacking, especially in the travel nursing community. Because like, even our even our agency, they don't really ask, hey, um, do you want to start a four hundred one k? They send you like an email, and it's it's all it really is. They don't really care much about it. They don't really give you that much uh, benefit of even even starting one. Yeah, and it's a hassle for travel nurses to even open up an investment yeah. account like a four hundred one k because. If you finish your contract after six months and you take a one-month break, the company cannot store your 401k anymore because you technically don't work for them. You lose right. your insurance, and then they send you a check to go throw that money somewhere else. Yeah. So it's a pain in the ass because then yeah. what are you going to have to be on the phone for like an hour or two trying to you know take this 401k from True Staff and change it to to Aya? It's just a pain in the ass. And I feel like if nurses find like a or if there is something out it's there. It's a business idea, by right. the way. Like you, you provide a, a nice way for nurses to invest passively into real estate. And like I said, real estate is not going anywhere. People are going to always live. Like, yeah, we're trying to go to Mars, but right now Earth property is expensive, you know, and it's always going to be expensive because right now we have to live on Earth. Yeah. You know, when Mars comes, comes to play, then we could kind of, you know, ditch the housing market on Earth and move to Mars. But right now sure. we got we to live here, you know. Savannah, how has the um, real estate market changed in the past few years? Yeah, well, I love that you were talking about kind of the the riskiness of it or people talking about it and really how it's not as comparable to stocks as people think it is that stocks are essentially a little bit more riskier than real estate, because like you said, you know, appreciation and people need places to live. So when people always ask me, like, what's worst case scenario with the properties? I'm like, we just lived through it. COVID. We didn't know if people were going to pay rent. We People weren't getting income. We didn't know if people were going to be squatting and just hanging out. Um, so we were able to carry out our business plans on all of our investment properties. We were raising rents during COVID uh, because they were so below market value, which is a part of our business strategy of acquiring these specific properties to do that. Um, we had a couple tenants that weren't paying rent, but we were just kept in con constant communication of, with them, like when the pandemic was really high. And then uh, the state started doing grants, like Oregon specifically started putting a lot of grants in place for people. And so we were still collecting above 95% income on all of our buildings, which is amazing. Um, and that was throughout the whole COVID pandemic and up until now. So um, that's kind of like how it's been over the last couple of years. Um, but I love that you were mentioning too, like even the personal finance piece for nurses and travel nurses, especially like there's no, no information on that. And that like, I do a lot of real estate stuff, but when I started talking to more nurses and especially travelers, and I was hearing that over and over, I developed a whole personal finance course that just shows
shows you how to do a budget. Like nurses were like, didn't even know how to do a budget, what, what accounts to sign up for. They didn't know what an HSA was or an FSA or a Roth IRA. And so I created this whole course of how to even understand basic personal finance. Like we, we have a whole chapter on cryptocurrency and kind of, uh, and, uh, investigating different investment alternatives and that sort of stuff. And so really kind of the fundamentals nurses, and I mean, really all of America, right? Because we're not taught that in school. Um, there's a huge need for that financial education piece, which I love that you just talked about that because it makes me so, so much more motivated with everything I'm doing with net worth nurse to really close that gap and provide as many resources and educational material as possible. Yeah. Especially for travelers, like travel, like, uh, like, uh, like, Travel nursing is is it's such a big industry right now, and it's always going to be a big industry because I feel like travel nursing is. So when we first started travel nursing, it was super low key. I didn't man, I didn't find out to, about travel nursing until like maybe three or four years into being being nurses, right? It was it, it's so, so low key, and right now it's rising, it's popping, but right now it it was so when we first started. Just drink a coffee, so I'm a little bit off the place. Yeah, do but your thing, we first bro. started. I'm reflecting now. We first started travel nursing back when it was not very popular, and then once we started doing it, we realized that hey, you know, we left our staff jobs, and now the money that was taken away from my check to do my 401k to go in certain investments, it's not being taken away anymore. I'm make, I'm getting all that money, so it's like, oh shit, yeah, we're making more money and we're traveling right now, but what do we do with? like savings, like how, how do we go about this? And there was literally no information anywhere about it, about what to do with it. It's just like, like I said, you get paid for what you do and then, then the rest is yours. You got to manage it on, on, your, on, on your own. Yeah. And that's kind of the way these industries roll out is when you have something new and up and coming, you don't have all the factors in, in play yet. Like you don't have all, all the basics. I feel like there's, there's definitely an opportunity for somebody out there, uh, to create a company or add on to their company and maybe make like a nationwide investment thing for travel nurses because there isn't anything anything like that. Like we have those Vanguard funds and stuff like that that these giant healthcare networks have that employ majority staff nurses that staffing nurses pay into, but there's nothing for travel nursing like that. There's, there's nothing at all and it's something that still I believe is being developed and I and, I, and there's like a giant market for it. It's just like I feel like it's not not capitalized on yet. Yeah. And even in general, it's not even nursing. It's just our whole system in uh, America. Is they teach us just to be consumers. Mm -hmm. Like we don't learn how to be self-empowered and take our money and flip it or do something with it. It's just investing into the corporate ladder, being the blue collar, and just riding that you know corporate system. Yeah, and growing up, so Matt and I were both both from Poland. So our parents came here and they didn't know the language and they learned the language. So a lot of times there's this division between what you have to learn in school and what your parents are going to teach you. So on our end, um, talking about finances, managing finances, managing your income and all that, we didn't learn in school. High school didn't teach us how to balance a checkbook. College didn't teach us how to balance a checkbook. College didn't teach us how to, how to do any, any of that. Our Start parents, business, yep. our parents knew the basics, right? So we, we got kind of the short end of stick on, on both ends because our parents, all they really knew was the savings account because they didn't speak the language. So they didn't know anything about investing, about the, the housing market. They didn't know anything about that. Like in our generation, you and I are the first ones to ever invest something beyond a savings account. Really quick, crazy. it's so funny. Um, I, I took a thousand dollars from my parents 
because I'm like, hey, mom, check this out, man. Crypto, I could do something with it. And then I like send them a screenshot like a couple months ago, and it's like three thousand, and they're mm. like, oh my god, wow, yeah, right? Like, how does this work? They think it's like magic. It's like, well, they're just they have the poor man mentality of just putting money into a bank, and you know those days are gone with interest yeah. rates. Because they grew up in communism, so it's always scarcity, scarcity, scarcity. Like, what what you make, you have to keep. Because in Poland, you don't want to give it away because it was very. Uh, it was a lot of gray area. A lot of times you give money to somebody, somebody to invest or whatever, and they would take it, and you would not hear about them. So that's kind of how communism worked, and that's and they were scared, so they always like kept everything. So it's mind blowing on like how much we've learned as nurses, but also how much we've learned on the side. Because I could give you, you and I, uh, we could give somebody a basic rundown of of real estate and also of like stocks and and cryptocurrency, and that's something that we learn outside of school by ourselves, not by our parents. So it's crazy, like. And it's almost like our school system fails us in that sense as well because somebody wants to almost profit off, off of it, if you, if you think about it. Because if you don't know how to manage your finance, manage your money, well, guess what? You have a 401k. But when you put money in a 401k, someone else is using that money, using your money to invest in other things. That's how it works, you know? So, so that's, that's a crazy thing about it. And like you have to harness like the power of yourself to do these kind of things to make the most out of it. That's why I'm glad you came up with this real estate course and you know sharing your real estate information with everybody here because nurses don't know about it and they don't they don't know how to do how to go about it and they don't know how to do it because you just don't learn especially if you know you have parents that that are very financially savvy you, you could potentially never learn about it ever in your life yeah it's yeah, mind blowing to think about you don't know so mm -hmm. you're just like in the dark the whole time yeah. yeah so let's just say there's a nurse listening right now and they just started, they're paying off their loans and maybe they'll be ready to invest in a year or two. What is the outlook of the real estate market right now? And for like the next five years, what's the projection? Yeah, I mean, good. It's just, it's steadily always achieved great returns for investors. I think 90% of millionaires have been made through real estate. So it's one of those things where when you, when you start learning about it and realizing who's investing in real estate, like this is how the wealthy are building more wealth. They're investing in real estate because there's so many benefits. There's tax benefits, the appreciation of real estate, the loan pay down, the ability to leverage debt. I mean, not in a lot of other countries, can you go out and buy a million dollar property with only $250,000 down, you know, you're leveraging debt. People are, banks are giving you money to go out and buy a million dollar asset. You can't do that in any other investment strategies. So there's just so many advantages to real estate. And when you start learning about it, you're like, oh yeah, no wonder this is why all the wealthy people are putting all their money into real estate. There's so many ways to generate even more income. And that's, that's my biggest push to nurses is like, kind of like what you guys are saying. Um, I think a lot of people think like, oh, I can't invest in real estate. I don't know how it's only for rich or I can't do it. I don't have the time. And it's like, no, you can do it. Like, and that's why I was super motivated to go on podcasts and share everything I do on social media is because I just want to encourage nurses and motivate nurses is like, if I'm doing it, you can do it. Trust me. I came from zero real estate background. I don't have any real estate professionals in my family. No one owns a lot of real estate. I, I taught this all to myself, just like we all learned nursing. So you can go out there and invest in real estate. If you have the right tools and the education to do it, you can make money. 100%. And do y'all like take out loans or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. Leveraging debt is one of the biggest, biggest ways to gain traction in real estate. And it seems scary to a lot of people, but it's again, just a huge mindset shift of like, 
So when we bought our first real estate properties, we ended up pulling out a second mortgage on our primary residence. We had $100,000 worth of equity in it. At the time, beginning of 2020, I didn't even know what equity was. I didn't know what you could do with it. I didn't know that you could pull it out with a loan and use it to buy other investment properties. So I was just networking with good lenders and a lender told me, hey, you have $100,000 equity in your primary residence. You're saying you want to invest in real estate. Why don't you pull this out and buy investment properties? If I were to go out and tell that to my parents or some of my friends, they would say, don't do it. Absolutely not. Why would you leverage more debt? The goal is to pay off your home. If you have big Dave Ramsey fans, those are those are the hardest sells in real estate, right? Because they're in the mindset of like, oh, no, I can't accrue any debt. I need to pay it all off. It's not safe. But I was able to pull out a loan at 3.8%, 3 and I'm investing it in real estate properties that are earning me 15 to 20%. So I'm paying off that loan and getting all this extra money into my pocket every month. Like when you start looking at it mathematically, it makes so much sense. And that's why when I'm having trouble kind of bridging that gap with people or they just don't get it or like thinking it's still kind of risky, I just show them the numbers of like, all right, this is how you could leverage debt in your life. This is what the payment would be. This is how much money you could make on real estate. Do you see the numbers? You could pay off that loan and accumulate all this extra wealth in your life. So it's when you start learning about it, you see all these loopholes. And even with taxes, especially for healthcare professionals, I have a lot of physicians that are investing with me reaping huge tax um, benefits because they're high income earners. They get taxed like no other. But the real estate offsets that so much because there's all these different ways that you can depreciate property. You can do cost segregation analysis. There's a lot of ways that you can offset all that income that you're getting from your primary job, even nurses too. And then you're um, not getting taxed as hard and you don't get taxed on any of the uh, income that you generate from real estate. So it's in a whole different category for sure. Yeah, there's people out there that literally do this do this kind of stuff for like a living you know so it's like so could any anybody else out there it's it's something that's like not talked about but people make make money off it all you need is like a little bit of education and some help so you don't you know throw your money into somewhere pointless or meaningless just because you have the money right yeah just like you mentioned it's a huge mindset shift mm -hmm. you have to switch that paradigm to understand that and when i was <clears throat> excuse me when i was traveling nursing in san diego somebody told me about that too where if you want to live by the beach what you got to do is you got to buy a property somewhere inland, pay it off for a year, then take that equity, buy something closer, and eventually you, have, you could buy something uh, the beachfront because properties in that area were over a million dollars. And mm -hmm. as a nurse, you don't have that money to invest or purchase something or put a down, you know, twenty percent down on a that's which quarter million on a million dollar property. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you were talking about like 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 leveraging your, your equity because when I was doing um, like my education for the real estate. Like that was the biggest pain in the ass for me was trying to figure out how how the taxes work and like what what is untaxed, what's not taxed, how do I make something that's taxable into something untaxable? Because like the stock's a little more more simpler because you know you put money in, you make some money, you take it out, and you get capital gains tax. But there's also ways to avoid those capital gains taxes by you know holding your investments for X amount of time where they decrease the tax rate or you know you sell it and then you re reinvest. So you do the same thing almost with, with real estate, right? Like you could take advantage of that where like if you, like you said, for your physician, if they make a lot of money, they can put it into, into the housing market or, or investments and then leverage that, that over so they get taxed less, right? Because you know they're not, not just saving their money, they're putting it somewhere where it has the potential to, to give them money or also lose money. Yeah. So what do you think of the, uh, go ahead. 
Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that that's just more knowledge that you have to get from experts. Like I, I always consult with my CPA or different loan officers. They know there. I was on a call this morning with a guy about um, doing cost segregation and bonus depreciation on one of my properties. It's so much information, but that's when you start leveraging other people and experts in the community. And we have, we have, a, I have a super active um, Facebook group. It's for healthcare professionals investing in real estate. And every week, Monday night, we bring on a different expert. So last week we had a cost segregation analysis. The week before we had a lender who was getting people into properties for a 10% down. Like we've had a CPA on there talking about all the different strategies. And I upload all of them onto my YouTube as well. But I've realized that the nurses are really wanting expert knowledge and being able to ask tons of questions to these experts. So we'll bring on, you know, a CPA and the chat is just goes crazy with questions, people wanting to dive into different, like, what if this, then what type thing um, scenarios, which is all the what it's about and about learning. And so um, leveraging expert knowledge in real estate is a huge piece of it. Yeah, 100%. Because when I was started, when I started reading to it, I had a bunch of questions that I would Google, and I'll be like, according to law 136 B stating this, you got to do this. And I was like, Oh, shit. So now we're getting into like laws, like it's a different language like, you know, already. At least my like, I went to ESL class when I was growing up, you know, English was my second language. Now I got to read some law. Like I could barely pronounce these, these medications to my patients, dude. Like my topo law law, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So it's like, there's no way I'm going to be able to like read that. So yeah, so you're right. You got to leverage these experts because nurses, want to learn everything, but they're not, you're not always going to be able to learn every, learn everything. So you got to bring somebody in that could actually like, like teach you. And plus not everybody wants to learn everything. Like I like the investment part of like, you could say real estate and, but not necessarily the, like the law aspect of like how to, you know, figure out the taxing situation like that. I'd rather pawn somebody else and have them do it for me. So yeah. we have a, we have a tax guy because reading tax law, I, that's that's really hard for me, especially with different states yeah. and everything. Yeah. Um, so also, I want to ask about interest rates. So have you noticed? I know interest rates are like a, a super low uh, right now. Like, how do interest rates work? Yeah. So right now is like, and over the last like almost two years now has been such an amazing time to invest in real estate because you can go and get hundreds of thousands of dollars at like less than three percent. Um, so that's huge. It took. That was a big, a big learning curve for me of trying to understand all that. Like I said, when I talked to my first lender, he's like, you have equity in your home. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is type thing. Um, but, but interest rates are still very low right now. Um, because we're, we're under contract for a, another multifamily unit. And I had some loan officers that called me yesterday and they said, it's so competitive out there. The interest rates that they were quoting me were, um, three, four, something crazy for a multifamily investment property. That's very, very low, um, like 15% down, which is again, very low. Um, so it's a very competitive market, which is good for investors. It allows you to go out there and shop around. Um, it allows you to get into these deals for minimal down payments, uh, very low interest rates. And, um, it's just a huge, huge opportunity that more people need to take advantage of for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is like signing a contract, almost like owning an LLC, but you're owning this multi-level home with multiple investors and everybody gets a piece of the pie and everybody has technically voting rights on what happens of the future of the property, right? Oh, that's a question for Savannah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So we buy it in an LLC. That's exactly right. So um, people get own percentages of the LLC when they invest with us passively. So they are part owner in the apartment building. So I always tell people when they're there, if that's their first syndication, I'm like, 
you own a part of an apartment building like amazing like you know go go out and tell people that tell people what you're doing in real estate it's such a cool thing to be able to say that you're that kind of advanced of what you're doing in real estate and so um they are part owner passive investors are still part owner in the apartment complex not a lot of decision making rights just because of the legalities of if you have a big deal and you have 30 investors you can't have that many hands in the pot so the decision making rights are reserved for the operators of the deal and that's something that's gone over in all the legal documents it's like 80 pages worth of legal documents to invest in one of these syndications but similar to your 401k and 403b that you have with fidelity there's hundreds of pages of legal documents no one reads them though, you know, because they're all online. So um, very similar to that. It's just basic legal um, clauses that are built in, but not a lot of decision making when you come in as a passive investor, which the majority of people that are passive investing in these deals don't want any of this decision making to begin with. So it's kind of a perfect fit. Yeah. Okay. When somebody wants to invest with you, is, is there like a X amount of your binding contract or how does that work? Can you explain a little bit about that? What do you mean? Oh, uh, like, that so let's just say I want to invest like $10,000 or $50,000 with you. Am I, do I sign a contract with you saying that I'm giving you $50,000 and over three years, uh, you're going to hold it for me and this, this, that, and the other, how does that kind of work? Yeah, definitely. So when we go on find a property, um, we do a presentation, an investment offering where we go over what market it's in, why we love that market, why why we see huge potential in that market. We go over the business strategy on the property itself. We go over all the numbers of like, this is how much we're buying it for. This is how much we plan to raise rents. This is how much income we plan to generate from this building. And then our investors see in that presentation how much we're projecting that they will earn on a yearly basis throughout the lifetime of the investment. So they'll see dollar amounts of like, you can expect um, $5,000 or $6,000 a year or whatever for the first year. And then this, that, and the other. And then you see when we go to sell the property, that's when they get their $50,000 back plus the additional income that's generated from the sale. So yeah, we break down all those numbers in our investment offering that we hold. We do a webinar. I offer opportunities for live question and answering. If people aren't able to attend, I um, send out uh, the recording and then pretty much it's a first come first serve basis. So we do like two to three a year. We go out and buy these. So um, I'll have, I'll do a lot of calls with investors kind of beforehand and let them know like, Hey, this is where we're looking, what we're kind of doing with it. So they're kind of like on standstill until we find a building because there's so much that goes into underwriting and making sure that it's going to be a good fit that we do very conservative on our numbers and projections. So it takes a little bit longer to find a good deal. So then once we find the deal, we do the presentation. Um, then it's a first come first serve basis of uh, accumulating investors. I always have my current investors be first come for repeats. Um, but then it's really open to a lot of other people that I'm networking with and potential investors. Um, so then at that point, so say they may, they put in a $50,000 contribution, they review all the legal documents, they have access to it. I have an online portal where they can see pictures of the property, they get notified of all the updates, notification, access to their legal documents, they get direct deposited into their accounts, all that set up through the portal. Um, and then 
From there, they get their payouts. I do a quarterly video where I'll hop on front of the camera and just say every three months, I'll say, hey, this is going on with the property. I'll show pictures. I prepare a presentation. Then I show the numbers. Uh, my husband and I dive into all the financials of like, okay, this is what's been performing over the last three months. This is where your disbursement money is coming from. I have some investors who love looking at the financials and other investors see that check in their account every three months and they're like, yeah, whatever with the numbers, you know? Um, so people who are interested, we hop on additional calls. And then at that point, that's kind of how we update them is every three months on kind of what's going on with the property. Yeah. Straight business, to be honest. What do you do like in your free time when you're like away from all this? How do you like unwind from all the real estate and yeah the beach and yoga i love socal beaches um i have two young daughters two and four so we'll hit usually malibu every weekend they love love the beach um, or go to parks with them hanging out with kids is another full-time job so just getting to play with them is a lot of how i spend some of my downtime and yoga exercising that sort of thing is like a huge mental reset um it's very energizing it's just kind of how i stay in pay place with like discipline and other stuff in my life yeah i take a match to the park once a week let him run around a little bit <laughs> burn, off, burn, off, burn off the energy <laughs> yeah 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 you know why oh, she's running around here butting my leg and stuff like it's weird you know but gotta, gotta, gotta do oh let, let, let him pee on a tree for a little bit he's good to go for the week <laughs> that'd be so funny <laughs> and one thing i also realized with uh, managing multiple things and um multiple things that we're doing is organization what's one way that you stay organized do you have one specific app? Do you like to use like Excel or a third party app? Um, I use so much technology to keep track of my life. It is like very necessary. I was actually just posting on Instagram, like my top five apps that I use every day. And they are Google Calendar for sure. I wouldn't be able to function without the Google Calendar. I have a Calendly link, which is how I get all my calls generated and that filters into the um, Google Calendar. So that's huge for me in terms of like talking to investors and nurses interested in investing in real estate or just wanting more information. So the Calendly link's huge. Um, Canva, that's how I create all my graphics and visual presentation, all my educational content is through Canva. It is amazing. It's brought up probably my all time favorite app. Um, I use active campaign as my CRM. So it's how I manage all my emails, how I do all my newsletters. I just do once a month newsletters and provide some other forms and educational content through there. So, um, active campaign for that and thinkific so thinkific is how i'm building all my courses so that's the platform that i have all my videos and the um documents and uh powerpoint courses is through thinkific so those are my top top apps right now. it's interesting because we use literally all the same apps that you use besides the last one you meant because we don't have any courses but for, we use, for us it's like lips and for yeah. streaming the the audio right we use google calendar we use calendly we use canva we literally use active campaign we all we also use it's, it's funny so i guess next Step for us is to invest in real estate, huh? Yeah, we, we got to join your uh, Facebook right. group and see what's going on yeah. there. Huh? I said we have to join your Facebook group and see what's going on there and uh, yeah, interact. Definitely come. It's, I, it, it is such an amazing group. People are active in there. Um, Airbnb is killing it. I know people, nurses that are retiring right and left because they have one Airbnb that's generating an extra $5,000 a month for them. Like it is crazy. Like even I, I was able to step down from my full-time nursing job in less than two years since I started investing in real estate. So it is so powerful in terms of being able to replace your income and that Facebook group is popping. So you got to join. Yeah, awesome. Sure. Thank you for uh, all this advice and expertise, knowledge on real estate. Where can people find you? 
Yeah, definitely. So net worth nurse, everything. So the net worth nurse on um, all my social media handles, that's Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and you, I put out a bunch of content because I know people want the resources. My website's networthnurse.co. Um, I love connecting with people. So if you're interested, I'd, I'd love to book a call, reach out to me. I'd love to connect. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for your time. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Yep. yep. Thanks. Bye-bye.